Are you a professional optimized business? Time to look at Northern Peugeot Bandura to further professionalize your fleet with their updated commercial van range. The team at Northern Peugeot Bandura can help customize your fleet to your business needs. Stock arriving now, so secure your van and beat the rush before the end of financial year madness. Visit northernpeugeot.com.au or call 9119-9008. TNC Supply. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Hello and welcome to another edition of the State of Our Football Nation here on FNR. I'm Pekua Frimpong. I'm in the studio by myself this week, but it doesn't mean we're going to miss out on any of the fabulous thoughts from George Zanikian. George, I know you're, you're, in the, you're somewhere else, but you're still with us today. How are you feeling? About the show this afternoon. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. In, I'm with you in spirit and via via Zoom, able to uh, leap from Port Melbourne to the studios <laughs> of FNR and Docklands. And we're delighted, of course, to have a very special guest, and he'll be with us for the opening half hour. I'm talking about a man who uh, was one of the co-founders of Sports and Entertainment Intelligence and Measurement Agency, a, a company called Repucom International, which was acquired way back in 2016 by that global research and data company everyone knows about called Nielsen Holdings. And during his time, what people, very few people know is that during his time at Repucom and as the global managing director at Nielsen, he advised a host of major brands and sporting bodies. We're talking about some of the biggest companies in the world, Pepsi, Emirates, the airline I'm talking about, MasterCard, Red Bull, the NBA, the NBL, uh, the English Premier League, and a host of professional sports franchises. And what did he talk to them about? How to maximize their returns on sports marketing initiatives that they were all involved in. And then, of course, we saw him uh, basically, uh, pe- uh, what is it, pull, pull stumps and come back to Australia from overseas and took up the role, of course, of CEO at Sydney FC. And during that time, under his reign at Sydney FC, the A-League club won 11 trophies across the both the A-League men's, the women's, and, of course, the youth. Uh, and I, I suppose if you think of it, it was one of the club's most successful periods, especially on the pitch. But he was also very, very quick to secure the club's financial sustainability. And uh, he did it with a host of infrastructure projects off the pitch. And uh, a little little while after that, he realised that the, uh, the, the scene and the marketplace in Australia was changing. He had heard about the imminent arrival. He may well have had a big hand in the arrival of a new player called the APL, the Australian Professional Leagues, which, of course, runs the game now. And he transitioned into that thing called the CEO. Please make him very welcome. Long intro, but most important to set the scene. Danny Townsend, good to have you with us. Yeah, thanks, George. Uh, thanks, Bacall. Good to see you guys. Uh, r- remarkable time. Fantastic background. And and it tells me that you not only love your sport, you've always looked at making success for all those business entities that wanted to pick your brains. Yeah, look, absolutely. I'm a sports lover. I always have been. And, and you know, since my time playing the game um, through to, to working in the industry, I was lucky enough to do both um, and spend, as you say, a, a best part of 15 years of my, my working career in, in Europe, North America and, and Asia. And, Getting back to Australia to to have the privilege of running Sydney FC for five years and then on to 
um, hoping to to build the 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 game here into the heights that we know it can get to. Now you you haven't had too much free air in that first year. There were problems galore. Um, the FA had just moved across and taken over its new space, leaving the room for you guys to to start managing the Australian professional leagues. That is the the A League men's, the women's. Um, are we going to see a, a youth setup that is worthy and and allow us to to see so much more? of some of this exciting young talent that Pakur keeps talking about in the Liberty Women's um, and that we're starting to see creep into the A-League men's and thrill us with some uh, truly uh, amazing talent. Yeah, look, I think the youth development pathways are really starting to to produce um, the talent that we all want to see on the pitch. You know, you, you see um, both in the men's and women's competition, the average age of our players is getting younger and younger because that investment our clubs are making in youth development is is delivering um, on the pitch at the highest level. So, you know, the Irinkundas, the the Quals, you know, there's a the long, long list of of players on on the men's side, but you know, on, on the women's side, they just get younger and younger and better and better, and it's just so great to watch. But you know, when you talk about the A League youth competition, we we've sort of been clear that what what was there beforehand, which was an eight-game season, was just not fit for purpose. And yep. our view has always been the the summer competition for our youth talent is really important, and how that orientates now with you know the potential of a national second division um, is something we're keeping a close eye on. Well, you've you've given us a hint that there are new fields to conquer. You've uh, brought back one of the grand old names called Canberra the Australian <laughs> capital, and you're going to uh, thrill us with the idea of, uh, you know, introducing an A-League men's team. They've had a tremendously competitive women's side there for quite some time. And, of course, we're hearing that there's the introduction of, dare I say it, another New Zealand crew from across the ditch, but it won't be Wellington. It's Auckland on the beautiful harbour uh, over there near the Shaky Isles. Um uh, is there hope and an idea that, you know, we don't leave the AFL alone to shake the apple aisle with uh, exciting news? They're five years away from introducing a club. Are, are you uh, shrewd enough to cut them off at the pass? Oh, look, I think, you know, we've got to do what's right for our sport, not... No, no, I know, but... What others I, are doing, I, but, but I think, you know, the expansion process that we've gone through is around delivering A-League elite football for men and women and youth into un, um, you know, un, un-sort of delivered areas. And, you know, Auckland's crying out for for elite football there. It's the biggest city in Australia and New Zealand without a without a professional football team. And um, Canberra's obviously got the anomaly of having a women's team but not a men's, and we want to close That's that. That's right. That's um, right. But look, you know, a lot of that is also about infrastructure and having the appropriate stadium to play at. And I, I made it clear on in the media on the back of the Albanese government announcement of of the development of, of um, Macquarie Point was about, you know, having that uh, be able to serve rectangular sports um, if it's going to be suitable for an A-League, um, A-League team in Tasmania. So we're yet to hear whether that will be the case, but that will be key on in, in us considering, considering Tasmania for an A-League licence. You know, there's a young, there's a young APL a commentator uh, by the name of Pakua Frimpong, who's had a pretty exciting season. All I've heard, all I've heard every week, Danny, 
is the uh, the serious ch- uh, talent that keeps emerging and surprising us. And uh, dare I say it, she's just about picked the entire winning final series, um, despite my best efforts to throw her off the scent. Yes. So um, uh, I think she's got a couple of questions for you as well. Uh, Pakur, it's all I, yours. I, I wanted to ask Danny in terms of, the, the obviously the age keeps going down if, in the competition and the men's and the women's has always had a lot of young crop of players coming in. Do you think that's the position that the uh, the A-Leagues ultimately ends up in and it's their area of growth, of finding their place in the game and not trying to potentially compete with the big leagues in Europe, but finding its spot of having a younger group of talent, developing them and then going on from there? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it is a balance though, right? I think you've got to maintain, um, you know, the the big names that come into this 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 league, whether they be ex-Matildas or ex-Socceroos who are returning to Australia after, a, you know, a decorated career abroad um, or, or young talent that's coming through the ranks or and a bit in between all that. And I think we've struck a pretty good balance over the years. But I do believe that, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed about being a development league. I would argue that every league in the world is a development league except for the Premier League because yeah. every player probably wants to end up there at some point in their career no matter where they're playing. So, you know, we, we need to develop talent um, for our national teams, both men, women and youth. That's a key focus for the APL and its clubs. But in doing that, we're going to put great talent in front of um, the Australian New Zealand public through the A-Leagues. The uh, EPL clearly is the biggest uh, sh- uh, shop front and uh, showcase spot in the world. There's no doubt about that. Uh, what have you made of the arrival of a thing called Ted Lasso on Apple uh, with the uh, next World Cup uh, coming up in the United States, Canada, and, of course, Mexico? Yeah, look, I think we spend a lot of time actually looking at the MLS because um, I, I, when I look at where we're at in our journey as, as a professional game, we're probably about 10 years behind where the MLS is. And, you know, they've been on a pretty meteoric rise over the last 10 years as football has become more and more popular and they've been able to really take advantage of similar foundational strengths that what we have here, you know, massive participation base, massive interest in football. Um, their, their challenge was they just weren't that connected to American football as in the MLS. We're the same. You know, we have 9 million Australians that will fill out a survey and say they love football, but we'll have 2 million of them that say they love the A-League. So we've got a big conversion opportunity to bring those 7 million football fans into the A-League, and if we can do that, then we're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I want to ask, Danny, when you talk about that and obviously the growth pathways, um, is when we look at, is the players the kind of telling the story of the players the way in which you're going to get those uh, more viewers on it? Because how do you bridge the gap of that seven million people who love you know football overseas, but they don't love the A, they don't love or aren't engaged in the A League, or right haven't now? or haven't discovered it, or haven't yeah. discovered it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, that, that's ultimately the challenge. And there's not one single thing you can do. It's not a, a switch flicking exercise. You've got to. You've, you know, if you look at our digital strategy, the reasons we've invested in Keep Up is yep. about you know creating a a honeypot that we can draw f- football fans into, and then and then serve them well in their A League's experience and their other football experiences. You know, we're not afraid. The reason why you go to Keep Up, you can see articles on the Premier League, is that that's all football. We don't we're not asking people to pick one team. If you're a Liverpool fan, I'm not asking you to park Liverpool and suddenly support the Melbourne victory. I want you to support both. And and by serving them great content, you know, engaging with grassroots community football through a digital experience, 
is how we're going to win. You know, we are the youngest fan base of any code in the country, um, which means they're digital natives, and how we how we serve them digitally is going to be um, the, the the key to our success. You know, one of the great initiatives that really has shone this year, and I think Paku might might agree here, is the uh, all access pass. That has been just a terrific little window into telling some truly wonderful stories behind the scenes and taking yeah, us a, yeah. taking us and touching uh, uh, you know those families and the people and the players yeah look that's what people want to know right like yes the football purists and we all want to be entertained for the 90 minutes but it's around the 90 minutes that we really need to start bringing those stories to life and creating heroes and intrigue and and mystery around different t- players that may appear one way on the field but when you get behind the scenes they're very different in their private lives and you know we've seen an amazing amount of engagement across that series not just in the episodes themselves but then in the social um media area around that where the, the conversations are uh, are being started and and short formats or short form clips of that um are going viral like we saw with the Charlie Austin you know dressing room blow up those, <laughs> those things are a compelling viewing and and yeah. great ways to bring in um, new fans to the A league you know, I was at the um, uh, end of season function for Melbourne City at the Grand Hyatt the other weekend and got a chance to listen to Simon Pierce talking about uh, the year uh, as he saw it, uh, some of the challenges that uh, we've had to, uh, to we've had to face and what what lies ahead. But one of the things that struck me, and I, re- I remembered this from the time that I listened to Ferran Soriano when he came for the City Group to say to them, listen, we're here, we're here for the long term. And uh, we're going to make uh, Melbourne City champions of Australia. And we're even going to aspire to be champions of Asia. So don't think we're here just for five minutes. And that was a few years ago now. And Simon reiterated that looking across the entire A-League, the the club with the youngest fan base that's growing at an extraordinary ra- rate is Melbourne City. They have some, you know, young boys and girls who who are the next generation of fans, and they're coming in now? Yeah, look, they, you know, they're moving their focus um, out to the east of Melbourne. I think was a smart thing to do. You know, you need to represent a geography um, in order to really ingratiate yourself into a community. And and I think that they've made some positive steps there. Obviously, on the pitch, they've been the benchmark. You know, three consecutive. Uh, Premier's plates, um, never been done before in the men's game. Ironically, first team to do it in the women's game was Sydney this year. <laughs> so, um, you know, both those two clubs um, in their respective competitions have been head and shoulders above the rest. Um, but, yeah, certainly off the pitch, City um, has taken its time to get going. But to your point, they're, they're, their audience is young. They're working really hard in the community. Um, and, and I think there are you know, good things to come there at that club. Uh, also, we, we've seen, Pakur and I have been thrilled to talk to Nick Montgomery from the beginning of the season and uh, also to Richard Peel. Uh, they, they are building something very special up there as well. Central's, Central Coast Mariners have had a season to remember. Yeah, they certainly have. You know, I think uh, credit to, to Monty and, and all the staff up there, Sean Millenkamp, uh, Richard Peel's come in and, and really uh, been a breath of fresh air, I think, up there. Yeah. Hasn't given them a belief um, on and off the field, and and it, it's it's flowing through into their football. They're a great team to watch, um, and and they're finishing the top two is no mean feat. Qualifying for Asia, um, yeah, fantastic achievement, and and still still more to come with the final series ahead of us. 
Go on, Pakua. I've just got to ask, Danny, you said um, a little bit earlier that the A-League would be 10, like around about 10 years behind the MLS in terms of in terms of the competition. I want to ask, does that cover the women's game as well? Because I, obviously women's football is in a different spot where it, it's obviously had a, a boom in the last few years and it's particularly in England with the England national team doing really well. Where do you see the women's game in their growth and how far behind do you see them for the rest of the world? The I, I think you know our women's competition is at a very different level to our men's when you compare it globally. You know, it's safe to say that the A-League women is in the top 10 women's competitions in the world, if not top five. Um, sadly, we can't say that about our men, but we've clearly got you know, a much bigger competitive set um, on the men's side. So, you know, I, I think when we compare ourselves to um, the NWSL in in the US, uh, I, I think any of the players that, that I speak to who play both competitions say they're very similar. Um, you know, the difference in our in our environment is that we the same teams compete in both competitions, which that isn't the case in the US. It's a different model. Um, I like our model better, frankly. I think having the ability to leverage facilities for men's and women's programs and youth programs um, and have men's and women's compete against the same teams week in, week out, builds rivalries, but importantly enables us to do innovative things like our club championship, which you know, we're the first league in the world to be able to sum the men's and the women's points together to crown the best uh, football club in this country. And that, that was an important step for us last year. Uh, we've got the uh, finals now, and uh, we've got a very exciting uh, grand final. We now know where it'll be. It'll be in Sydney. We, we still don't know who's going to be competing in it. Um, you, you've always spoken about bringing events together and creating a, a cavalcade of uh, opportunities and giving, uh, I suppose, uh, I, uh, what is it, Mission New South Wales or Destination New South Wales, every chance to grab every tourist uh, who wants to come across and, uh, you know, experience the joy of watching a finals or a grand final in Sydney. Um, anything special planned that you're just about to drop on us? No, or, look, as it was you're going to hold, you're gonna hold on to it another few days. Oh, look, we're still working on a few different things, but, but um, yeah, look, it was well documented last week or earlier this week that um, an All-Stars game with Bayern Munich was very, very close to, to landing. Um you know, to the point where we're organising charter flights and the like. So it was it was very well advanced until um, the dates changed and and made it very difficult for us to then to do that game the way we wanted it done as a, a you know to complement um, you know that week long celebration of football. But we've certainly got other things installed that are going to encourage fans to come. We're working hard with the clubs who are still in the competition to ensure that you know, we're we're providing um, travel packages that are specific to each of those teams. That, that really covering planes, trains, buses, automobiles, <laughs> uh, cruise ships, you name it, we've looked at all of them. Um, and and you, we're confident we're going to get some pretty attractive packages if there is a requirement for a travelling club to, to galvanise its fan base and, and experience the grand final. Will Keep Up be the lead vehicle to tell us the latest news? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> keep Up's um, where it's at. You know, that's... That's a platform that we're, you know, continuing to build and grow, and it's going to get better and better. It's still very new. Um, it's by no means perfect, but it's certainly improving every week. Uh, the content in it now is is world class. We have a, you know, really strong content team in house to keep up studios who are behind the all access program. So yeah, look, there's there's a lot lot to be excited about, George. Um, there is uh, one or two questions that I want to raise. 
we're still having problems with the digital arm. Uh, Paramount Plus have have uh, done what they can, 10 as well, but there are times when the systems are letting us down. Are we getting on top of that? Yeah. Yeah, look, it's a challenging one for us because we're sort of arm's length for that and we yeah. we obviously want the experience for our fans to be... be but well you feel the pain first. Yeah, yeah, we do. But I think, look, the good thing is Paramount is a partner, uh, you know, as it may not seem that way on the outside, but what we do see what they do um, behind the scenes to try and move the, the tech stack in the direction they want to and they've, they've committed to doing that. We're confident that it'll get there. Um but yeah, it, it's it's something they're working on. But aside from that, you know, in terms of the way the games are produced, the way they're covering the game now is, you know, is is really great. We're we're really happy with the partnership. I, I want to ask you, Danny, if, uh, with the the festival of football, uh, I'm thinking about it in the terms of the women's football and the the dub competition. Is the long term goal to have that festival of football weekend and have the seasons both line up so it is one whole thing where you know, it features both competitions because right now it does tend to skew with in the timeline of the men's competition. Yeah, absolutely, because that's the plan. You know, we we as we continue to invest in women's football uh-huh. with expansion of the competition and extension, importantly, of the competition, which means more match minutes for our young, talented athletes and more playing opportunities because there's more more. Um, uh, contracts to be to be signed across across the the, the competition, um, that will naturally mean that the the seasons start to bleed into each other, which is which is ultimately where we want to get to with that that week long celebration of football. You know, this year we we were able to to dedicate all of our efforts into the women's game, um, which culminated in the fantastic grand final um, last weekend, which saw a record crowd, um, a fantastic football match, and you know a great experience for a lot of young females who probably had never been to an A-League women's match before. I thought the second semi that featured uh, Melbourne City um, and 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 victory was like uh, uh, it, you couldn't get you couldn't get a game to to impose that many challenges on two sets of of fans and, and then provide the epic finish. We saw yeah. a penalty shootout, and I'm going. No, no, it's yeah. been that sort of season. Yeah, look, it, it had everything. You know, the, the both the men's and the women's competitions this year have been amazingly close. You know, even the you know the the Liberty A League women was you know, going the last kick of the regular season really to determine yep. the makeup of the final series, which was which was phenomenal. And then having the three time premiers beaten in the opening round of the finals, and and then you know coming back to to beat victory in a in a grand final replay, and 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 sort of get revenge, and and then go on to to win the grand final. But you also had the fairy tale of Western United in their first season, yeah, you know, demonstrating you know the power of the football pyramid when they connected with Calder United to create a team from scratch to see that team go all the way and go close to a premier's plate, but then make a final series, a grand final appearance was phenomenal. Well, Pakua told me weeks and weeks and weeks ago, uh, watch out for Western United. And I kept thinking, really? Can they sustain George, it? It's a, it's... And she just she just kept prodding me. George, saying, it's just that George, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a believer in MPL Victoria and I'm a believer <laughs> in the talent from MPL Victoria. You know, speaking well, Pakua was of... right because, you know, to, to think that half those players in that Western United team were playing MPL never played in the A League women before. It demonstrates there's some great talent out there, both in in you know the A League women, but also in the tier below MPL. Do we test it with an All Stars game, yeah. All Stars A League against All Stars NPL? Would that yeah, frighten, would that frighten the social media world? 
Oh, look, I think it, it came up today. I saw that and thought that would be intriguing. I think it's some, definitely something to think about. Oh, by the way, uh, we've got to hand out a huge kudos to both Adelaide Reds and Perth Glory for staging one of the best A-League games uh, in the West, that 4-4 draw. Um, I kept thinking to myself, am I, am I watching the same game? George, I was the same. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was just if if someone has a problem about the entertainment yeah. value of the A-League, then they didn't see that game because I was watching that with my two daughters and we, we couldn't believe it. It was just a phenomenal game, a phenomenal end, and that many goals and in injury time. Like, it's, um, yeah, it was pretty compelling stuff. And now, of course, we've got Disney, Disney giving us a glimpse of the Matildas behind the scenes. Uh, again, following up from the uh, from the work that that Keep Up has done with your access, um, in, intriguing and setting us up for what promises to be a truly memorable Women's World Cup down under. Yeah, absolutely. The Women's World Cup, I think, is going to be a phenomenon, um, not just for for women's football, but for football in general. Um, you know, I, I don't think. We really understand how big this event is. Um, I think the opening Matildas game at Accor Stadium will have 90,000 people there. Do you hang on, say that again. 90? Yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> it'll, fill, it'll fill that stadium and oh. set the tone for the rest of that tournament. It'll be the hottest ticket in town and it'll serve us well. There'll, so there'll be literally hundreds of thousands of young Australians who will go to a women's football match for the first time during that World Cup. And, you know, then it's our job to convert them in and get them attending the A-League women next season because, you know, they're going to be a bunch of those players that wear the green and gold that, that will be in our competition next year. But importantly, every single one of those wearing the green and gold will have come through the A-League women. And that's something we're really proud of and want to capitalise on. Uh, just a random thought: um, Have we have we used our past uh, NSL and A League stars the way we can, or best use them, um, bring them into the fold, uh, not leave anyone behind? Um, is there anything there that excites you that we can do a little bit more of? Because I know that there are still uh, some Matildas who who um, some believe were the originals that have been left out? I know it's not your purview, but are you thinking that maybe we need to bring everyone on board and, you know, reset the bar, not so much reset the bar, but recalibrate to make sure that we bring this game and heal whatever schisms exist? Because I know there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes. I I, I spoke to, to Simon, I spoke to others. I, I know the, the various federations are starting to come to the idea that there really is only one way to go forward, and that is united. Hundred percent. You know, we're 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 taking on the behemoths of the AFL and cricket and NRL, and we're doing so with a with you know with the media revenues that are you know a small percentage of theirs. So the only way we can win is if we win together. And you know how we unite the football pyramid and work with you know the member federations, the grassroots community clubs, up to the EFA is going to be a key to our success. If we, you know, I know those major. Um, I suppose I call them Commonwealth sports. What they what they look at 
is and what they fear is football getting its act together. And oh, yeah. it'd be remiss oh, yeah. of us as administrators to allow that to happen any longer. And we're really focused on working with with James at the FA and 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 the member feds and the clubs to come together digitally and deliver a you know a, a really important football experience um, for for our, our football community. Um, and that means you know, going back and, and looking at like we invited all those ex Matildas to our A League Women Grand Final. They were there. It was great to see them all there. Um, we need to do the same for our past players and the men men's side as well because, you know, our our game has a had a checkered history, but it's a rich one, and and it's got a the stories all riddled all the way through that that we need to tell. Um, you know, we are the most inclusive sport and the most diverse sport of any, um, and we need to celebrate that, and and that's that's something that we're we're all very mindful of. And we've got a great history. We've just we've just uncovered for the first time in a long long time the Anzac Trophy. Yes, um, uh, and FNR is thrilled to bits because Ian, Ian Sison, one of our very own, started talking about this uh, this trophy that had gone missing, and lo and behold, here we are. Uh, uh, George, the thing well, I like about that is the cricket ashes are a, are a pair. Of, you know, I think the bales. Yep. Um, whereas this ashes was the two captains smoking a cigar in the in the change <laughs> rooms, which is uh, very very a fun. humidor of yeah. some renown. That's that's classic football. I love it. Wow, 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 uh, Danny. Um, thank you very much for giving us um, uh, so much time, uh, and and also uh, giving us a reminder that uh, there are so many things that we can do and need to do, um, and also to help explain uh, some of the things that you've done in the background. Because I know that there are a lot of people, and social media is one of those exceptional uh, platforms where you can take pot shots at people without realizing what work they've done and what work they can do and and what they're putting in to make this game of ours that we love so much even better. And I just thought, let me just set the record straight and remind people that um, you're not an interloper, you're not brand new to this business, you've played a tremendous role with some, biggest, some of the biggest sporting uh, companies in the world and um, you you will help us find a way and we will get the job done. And um, I've been in this caper for an awful long time. I remember when we launched SBS in 1980, people said, ah, what's this multicultural broadcaster? Well, it's still around, um, and it's doing niche broadcasting in a particular way. Uh, but there were many who didn't think we'd survive the first six months. So I'm, I know that there are knockers galore. We we love this Australian um, outlaw um, background that we've had and we love celebrity especially if it's criminal um, and and when I saw the Prime Minister front up at a wedding the other day and on one side there was Johnny Ibrahim and then on the other side there was a convicted drug dealer I thought my god the world is changing around us and no one's told me but um, we've got a game that that is the, the the biggest in the country and sorry the biggest in the world and I remember many years ago, a guy called Ulysses Kokinos, who was a star in the old old NSL and before yeah, that, and he said to me, "We did a celebrity. We had a celebrity game, and Ronald Dale Barassi, the superstar AFL man, had said to him and a bunch of others after they'd played this celebrity game, hey, we have to be very careful because this could be a giant, and it could take over if we don't.'" And make sure that we keep it down. Yeah. And those words resonate to me. And as you touched on earlier, we get we get our, our act together. 
um, anything is possible. Okay, and the yeah, catalyst and, could be this women women's World Cup. Yeah, look, I think there's there's no shortage of work being done, and I appreciate those words. I, I think for us is that you know we'll we'll let our work do the talking ultimately, and you know people just need to realise that we all want the same thing. We all yeah, want right. to be the biggest game in the country at every level. Um, we're going to need to do that sticking together. We're going to make decisions that aren't always popular, but there's usually a, a good reason for them. We're not going to be perfect. We'll make mistakes along the way. But if we all stick together, we will win. I have no doubt about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I appreciate, you know, what you guys do at FNR and, and keeping the game um, top of mind for people. So and appreciate you having me on the show. And we're also breeding that next crop of uh, commentators and, gen- and, uh, and journalists who, uh, who love the game. And all of them thus far, and Pakur is one of them, who's, who continues to grow and, uh, and make a difference. So thank you, Danny. All the very, very best for the finals. Pleasure. Thanks, George. Thanks, Pakur. Appreciate you having me on. CEO of the uh, APL, Danny Townsend, giving us uh, his time and also giving us a, a view about some of the things that they've, they've done this year and his belief that, you know what, if we stick together, we can get it, we can get it done. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, another special guest, the man who led Sydney FC into the women's final, the final of the Liberty uh, A-League women's and won it for a record time. Ante Urich. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Hello, and uh, if you just missed the first half an hour of the show, we did speak to the CEO of the APL, Danny Townsend, and you might be wondering why there you can't see George right now, but George is joining us through Zoom and uh, lucky enough to be joined by a special guest. George, you, you can intro him. This is your show. I'll let you do it. <laughs> uh, Pakua Frimpong is my co-host and has been for quite some time. I've really enjoyed uh, learning so much more about the game, the women's game especially, and our special guest is the uh, man who was born in Canberra back in 1973 when things were bubbling along in the national capital. It was a much sweeter place, uh, not nearly as uh, as busy as it is today. Um, he's, uh, from memory, one of our most cultured defenders. He played professionally for about 13 years. Um, he's represented, well, just about everybody. He's represented Australia as a socceroo, an ollie and a young socceroo when the team finished fourth in the World Cup, in the World Youth Cup back in 1993. Um, but his natural talent, I think, is, you know, basically being, bringing people together to play as a team. And um, he's been quite something. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thrilled a bits to talk about uh, the cap, the, sorry, the manager of the history-making Sydney FC women's side, the Liberty a-League women's side, Sydney FC. Ante Juric. How are you, Ante? Uh, good, thanks, George. I'm a little bit humbled by that introduction. Mate. No, it's, mate. I, thank I you could, so much. Um, but, mate, yeah. mate, I'm, a, as you know, a lifelong and tragic Sydney Olympic fan. I remember your role, your the, the, the times that you played for the club. I remember you being outstanding, um, uh, even playing injured. Uh, dislocated yeah. elbows. Never mind. I got a job <laughs> to do. Um, do you, where where did that passion come from, Ante? Was it your grandfather? Was uh, it your dad? Was it you know your your siblings? What was yeah, it? Yeah, probably probably my siblings. My dad was uh, just a 
builder, never into sport. Uh, my mum drove me everywhere, but I don't think she played sport. They came from a village in Croatia. Um, but I did start, I, I always um, say this about my brother. So when he started, he's, he's I think, five, four years younger, older than me. Um, so when he started, I just followed. And as a four or five-year-old following your older brother, just to training and uh, started from there and then backyard games and stuff like that. And I just, yeah, I, you can't explain it, but I, yeah, since then have loved it. To this day, I love it. And I'm just proud that I can uh, be in the game still. You know, when you guys um, played in the World Youth Cup uh, and lost to Brazil, um, that was that was a pretty hot side. Uh, can you take us back and remind us? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was unbelievable memories. I just remember <laughs> crying on that day. Uh, Craig I'm Ford, crying now. Musket. Yeah, we were so close, but yet so far, I think Brazil did destroy us in that semi-final, but we hung in there until uh, until the last, I think, four or five minutes, and then they got a second. But it was a packed house in the old Olympic uh, Park or stadium, was it Park yeah, in yeah. Melbourne? Um, it was just fantastic because it was a big hype as 18, 19-year-old kids, 40,000 uh, capacity at, in Sydney. And uh, just, yeah, to be a youth tournament, to be that big, um, it's exciting. Um, but, yeah, it was yeah, good times. I think Agostino, Milicic, uh, yeah, there was a few good players in that team uh, uh, that obviously went on to bigger and better things. But, um, yeah, it was fantastic. Good memories. Can you remember any of the boys uh, playing for Brazil? Yeah, the, well, the biggest name was um, Dida. So he played for AC Milan, I think, for 15 years and, and stuff like that. Um, there was a couple others who... Uh, Savio played for Real Madrid. Um, Cate was a championship, world club championship win, I think, with Santos. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so there was a few, you know, uh, Gian and Jan, who were the biggest players at the tournament. I'm not sure if they kicked on to the national team, but they were huge at that time. I think they got the player of the tournament. So, um, so yeah, there were some big players. But Dito was probably the biggest in terms of, obviously, going AC Milan. I think he won Champions League, went to World Cups. Uh, so it was quite huge, yeah, in terms of that. Uh, my co-host, Pakur Frimpong, has been telling me about uh, this hot side from Sydney and uh, the job that you've been doing uh, f- uh, all year. Uh, he, she said to me, uh, watch out for Western United. But at the end, when I asked her when it mattered most, who would get it up? She said, Sydney. So she's been a, she's had a great eye. She's uh, a tough, she's tough to please. The only <laughs> negative, and I say this openly so people can't say I'm picking on her, She's an Arsenal fan, you know, and I'm a Tottenham no, 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 boy. No, no. And I, I, I she's lost all credibility. I, no, <laughs> I, I've been going through a tough time, and then you bring this up, George. We're going through a tough time. I'd say I want to, I want to ask. Obviously, I, I spoke to Charlotte McLean on uh, Radio Dub earlier this season, and she talks about how the Premiership was a big goal for you guys because no one else had ever done it, and and you guys have managed to and you specifically have managed to create a great culture with at Sydney FC where there's constant development of your players who you can see the like the trajectory of their career. They come in, they, they a lot of them are still raw talents and they become really settled in the Sydney FC squad and then they get to push on into Matildas like Courtney Vines and things like that. How is it that you're able to develop such a strong culture there that's able to be sustainable and replicated every season even when there are different players that come in um i don't know i get asked that a lot i guess i just <laughs> legitimate I reason aren't it yeah, legitimate I reason. So. everyone so. wants I, a piece I, of the action maybe maybe i, I don't know i don't know and I, I don't like answering because you sound like you're, you're 
know-it-all or ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, firstly, I just believe in good people. Um, if you can find good people and you, you do your research on that, that goes a huge way, huge way, uh, way to culture. Um, you know, in football and life, there's, you know, I call them cancerous people that are negative and down and try and find ish, uh, problems. I try and eliminate that and then you're a long way there. Um, then you try and find like-minded people, winners. And you can see that when you're watching op- your players you want to target, you know, how do they work? How do they operate? Do they work hard? Do they always um, try and do the right thing, disciplined? Um, so that's, you know, number two, I guess. And then then obviously you need ability and, and the players that fit in and our girls uh, one are good people, they're good players, um, and I had a look at their sort of attitudes, uh, and they're the players I wanted. Some I knew already, so I had a, um, you know, I knew them as 14, 15 year olds, so I knew their character beforehand. So that probably gave me the luxury of just going, yeah, let's take her, let's take her. Um, somewhere, um, yeah, like I said, some came because I coached them in the junior Matildas and things like that. So I guess knowing what you want, um, so that's worked for me. Um, in terms of that and just from what I've seen in success when I was a player and what you see around the world, you, you need those things in the team. So good people, people that work hard, that are selfless, um, and that creates a good culture. Um, I remember Ange once saying to someone, or I, or I overheard it, and I actually thought, I go, you know, that's 100%. Without knowing the way you build culture, he said something, you can't build culture, but you got to bring in good people. And I thought that's spot on because the people make the culture, even though it's driven by leaders. But if you've got crap people in your environment, it doesn't matter what you do or what you say, they're not, you know, they'll only follow when it suits themselves. So I'm proud of what we've got. And you know what you're doing? You're, you're effectively reiterating uh, what Ange Postacoglu and others of, of that ilk, that top end ilk, have always, look, even Pep will tell you, yeah. he's always looking for great characters. Yeah, 100%. People, people yeah. of character and people yeah. with that hunger not to be troublemakers, but to be winners. And I've said it in business and I say it in life, and we have a tremendous crew at FNR. And over the last half a dozen years, we've, we've, we've sprouted the, the, the fact that we're the voice of the game uh, as best we can. But the most important thing is we've, we're breeding the next crop of j- young journalists and commentators. And yeah. each one of them is happy to work with the other. And I think yeah, that's exactly. also a great thing, isn't it? The ability to work a, together. Yeah, yeah, enormous. And, and again, being selfless, doing things for each other rather than yourself. Um, I, I do that as a coach and I think that I hope and I think it works and I'm sure it does. It's where I'm selfless. You know, I'm not above anyone. My girls know that I care about them, that I'll do anything. I'll pick up every water bottle if I have to. <laughs> so you lead by example, you're humble. Um, and then they do the same to you and for you and for each other. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, I totally agree with what you just said. And uh, state of our football nation on FNR, our special guest Ante Juric, the uh, history maker at the Sydney FC, the Liberty Women's uh, A League uh, champions, uh, three years running. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's how it works. Only for four, but yeah, wow. I've always thought um, premierships, even though the grand final was sweet. Uh, let me tell you. Uh, but I've always thought premierships are more important than yeah. even though I live in Australia and we live in Australia, but to win the premierships year after year just shows you you are the best team in the nation regardless of what happens in a grand final. But that's me and old school. Uh-huh. No, no, no. You you be as you be as old school or new school as you like. Bakua's <laughs> not complaining. She she understands <laughs> I, 
that the side that that can cope with all the challenges thrown at it, with injuries, uh, with refereeing decisions, with bad luck, you know, uh, life is about solving problems and bouncing back from bad times. And you've, and each season, you, you, as Pakua said, you, despite whatever happens, you seem to have this knack of getting them back year in, year out, and delivering the goods. And that's wonderful. Yeah, and, and yeah, it is. And credit to obviously the girls and the staff. But uh, one of the biggest things on top of that, um, which is what you said is 100%, is when you are successful, and this is probably what I uh, draw on a lot recently, is when you are successful and you're on top, it is damn hard to stay there. And not many people do it. Some often uh, win one and then they don't win for a couple of years. So that's what we draw on. That's what we're, our goal is to keep succeeding when everyone wants to beat you. Um, every single game, everyone's playing maximum against you. So to be in a psychological place to keep going is special. And that's what I'm really, really proud of and why I'm proud that we've won these premierships and obviously now the grand final this year. I, I want to ask, Ante, in terms of... Obviously, the landscape of the dub is, is changing with a lot of more players leaving and going abroad and, and into a lot of inter, uh, other teams in the competition getting international players and bringing them in. How would, does that change up the way you look ahead for Sydney FC? Obviously, you signed the extension with the club, extension of getting in new players from abroad and the scouting process. Because obviously, you've brought in Madison Haley this season and she's been incredibly successful, even though she had that little spell with injury. How do you go about that and finding those players and, and still keeping yourselves at the top of the – essentially being the leaders in the pack? Yeah, well, firstly, we try – I try to predominantly keep – uh, the squad as Australians. Um, so if I can get 22 players that are all Australian, I will will do that. Um, but, you know, last year I think we had one foreign, and the year before we had none. Uh, this year we had Anna Green and Maddie uh, Haley. Um, so if I believe we need something, which was the case, especially with Maddie, where I couldn't have a couldn't find a nine within Australia, I knew Remy would leave uh, to go to Leicester. So we knew that before the season. So I had to find something. So, um, and then it's just a matter of scouting, or you know, people sending you in videos and you analysing those, and um, and then deciding what to do. Um, so, and I'm not a fan of bringing in just any kind of foreigner. I'd rather keep the Aussies if I had to, or, or use a young player. But Maddie fit in well, and we definitely needed her this year, and she was a big difference in the grand final. Uh, Andy Urich is our special guest. We spoke to Danny Townsend who, of course, um, is the CEO of the APL, the Australian Professional Leagues, which run the A-League men's, the women's. Uh, and we talked about a whole bunch of things, but one of the things we touched on was the Women's World Cup and its ability to act as a tremendous catalyst to boost the game. Do you think it will? I think a lot of um, people aren't, don't have no idea how big it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be enormous. But you're, you've, and I, I don't want to be negative here because I'm sure we will do something. But um, you've been around a lot where we've been on a high, you know, I've been in the game for 40 years, 30, 30 years, I guess, playing and coaching. Um, there's been so many highs, you know, even our youngs when we were in the World Youth Cup, there was other things happening when we've done well in World Cups or, uh, I don't, and even the girls that, you know, had a big high a few years ago. We just don't capitalise, so I hope Danny, and Danny's a smart um, operator in my opinion, um, it's definitely something we can capitalise on. We just need to be smart and capitalise on it. You know, it's easier said than done probably, I guess, because um, I'm not in that position. I don't know exactly what you have to do, but 
We need to get uh, sponsors in. We need to get uh, facilities in, use the government, uh, you know, where we can. But I don't think we've capitalised in the past. Um, so, yes, I'm very confident. I hope we do it. But, you know, I don't want it to be all talk or in a year's time we say, oh, you know what, it was great, but that's all. It was just memories. Um, but we haven't done things to go fighting, forward. Fighting words from under Urich. I love it. Uh, Pakua tells me there's a um, Canberra men's team coming, aren't there? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I hope so. It's a, it's a bit of a dream of mine to see them in. And, yeah, I'll, yeah while I'm at Sydney, I obviously support Sydney. But if a Canberra team came in, I'd support them. And, yeah, who knows, one day maybe be around for that. But, it's yeah, I'm so because I was born and bred, and I left Canberra when I was 19, and my family's still there. So, you know, I have a soft spot for Canberra, and I always go home. So, where was yeah, your home ground? Be... Where was your home ground in Canberra? Well, I played for Canberra Croatia, so they played in the New South Wales comp when I was growing up. So, Deacon Oval back Deacon. then. Um, that was yeah, it, it got cold there. Yeah, Canberra was cold in general. Yeah, yeah, it was very cold. But Ed Zelich came from there. George Colescar played there. There's yeah. a few. So Joe Simonich. So it's a big, big club in terms of getting a few players through to a huge stage. Um, how many years yeah, difference is it? How many difference do you uh, years difference between you, Ned Zelich, and Simonich? I think it's about three each way. So I used to look up to Ned, and he was only like <laughs> he'd like you know, to hear 16. that. Yeah, he'd, he'd, like, he'd like to hear 20, that. And I'm 16, 17, and I remember. Having back in the day, there was no internet or anything. I used to just cut paper clippings out when he was in the newspapers <laughs> um, because he's a guy that played for Australia at 19. And I'm like, and I sort of played like him. Yeah, he was like a, a god to me. And then Simonich, I just remember Simonich, funny enough, he was like 13 or 14 doing juggling at halftime during the games I used to play when I was in first grade, you know, in Canberra, Croatia there. So, yeah, probably three or four years difference from me to Ned and then younger was Gossip. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's been – I was just going to say, Pakur wants to jump in. No, Go I ahead. was just going to say, Ante, I saw a photo of Courtney Vine wearing uh, a shirt with your <laughs> you and your playing days on there. Are we going to get – if there's a new Canberra team, are we going to see the return of Ante on the football pitch? Is that what's going to happen? Ooh. Oh, if you saw me – are you surely seen photos of me recently? There's no chance of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wish I could play. It's the best thing in the world, but uh, – Definitely won't be playing. Uh, I've got no pace. Uh, it, walking football, maybe, but that's as far as I'll go. You know, there's a guy called Peter Catholis. He he must be. Yeah. He must be. What is he? Sixty? No, I don't know. I don't know. Well, but I think he played. I, recently, I reckon he? he could still play for Apia in the NPL. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had a legends game. I think Olympic and Apia two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and they invited me, but I can't even run. So <laughs> no, no. You're I smart. You're play. smart. Yeah, yeah. You're oh, yeah, smart. Those days are over. I don't want to embarrass myself. Actually, no. I think now they go. Listen, that's yeah. shrewd. Can I can I just say to you, um, you know, with this contract that you've signed, um, if you fulfil this, it's it's you, it's Alan Stajic, one two. That's not a bad effort for a young boy who, uh, <laughs> you know, thought about doing this and that. That'd be a tremendous achievement because yeah, Alan, oh, like- Alan has done some wonderful things and continue continues to do some wonderful things with the, the Philippines. Yes, that stage is a good mate of mine, actually, and we've you know crossed paths a lot and even worked together a bit in with the Matildas and a yep. few things before, obviously, he, he was moved on and I was moved on there. It's, um, yeah, good guys, successful, very, very hardworking, and, um, yeah, he's a, in the Hall of Fame of Sydney FC, so hopefully one day I can follow. I think my record's better than his now. I've got to... <laughs> <laughs> 
I think I think I've overtaken him. But um, I think he's got more coaches, games coached. But I think maybe I've got more trophies now. But no, nah, but he's a legend. So I'm. Uh, you know, you know, you know him. what that reminds me. You know what that reminds me. It reminds me that your combative juices <laughs> haven't diminished, no. and, and I, it explains why you're still winning, my friend. Listen, yeah. can I just say thank you very much for, for no, no giving us the time. What's next? Ante, I know there's a contract, but what's next? Um, well, someone asked me that after the grand final going up. So what do you want to get do and achieve? And what, what's uh, because you won everything and, you know, surely you want to look elsewhere. Mine, while I'm involved, obviously you want to potentially take national teams or something. But if that happens, it happens. But I'm happy at Sydney. I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And the next goal is to win another double because no one's ever done it. The next goal is to get as many of my girls in the Aussie team. Like, there's always something if you have that drive and that's what you're about. And, yeah, there's never going to be a day where I'll go, oh, I've done everything because that's never true. Why can't we get five premierships in a row? You know, so I'm always looking forward and beyond. Before we let you go, Ante, obviously you've got you've got a decent amount of players at the moment who've been there in the last three years who are in the Matildas uh, you know, run at the moment or in and out. Who is a player from your current squad that you think probably deserves, you know, uh, maybe a little bit more recognition? Because I look at a player like Mackenzie Hawksby and for me she's one of the most crucial parts to any team and particularly your team going forward and even going back and she's so skillful. Who's a player that you think deserves a, a more look in for the Matildas? Um, it's probably, I'm going to say all of them deserve it, but the most ready for now Um is Macca 100%, um, Charlotte McLean 100%, Princess 100%, uh, Jada 100%, um, and I'll probably add Tobin 100%, who are ready to be in any camps or any kind of wow. games easily. That's good. The rest good. of the five, eventually in two or three years, Charlie Rule, Fenton, and I'm only going through the starters and recently, Hunter. Um, you know, these girls, in my opinion, will be the new. Sam Kerr's and Van Eggman's and the new era. And so that's what I'm really proud of because I know they'll be national team players and everyone will know them in two or three years if they don't know them already. Uh, Ante, bless you, my boy. All the very best going forward. Uh, have a have a great break. How long before you start training them again? Well, it depends when we start, probably two or three months because I think we were in a Champions League, uh, make-up Champions League thing now, which is good, which is a first for a while. Um, I heard that's in sometime, maybe October or November. So, yeah. yeah, maybe August or something we'll get together again. But there's a bit of time with women's football because obviously it's not a lot of weeks um, in the season. So, so but, yeah, time, a couple of months. Time, time for you to get fit, huh? Yeah, 100%. Someone <laughs> said that the other day. I need to get fit before the next season. So 100%, yeah. Let's uh, do that. Bless you, mate. Well done. Ante Yurich, our so special guest, joining us on Thanks. State of Our Football Nation. Until next time, Ante, all the very best Thanks, in the off-season. Thanks. And Thanks for the chat. Thank it was good. Our pleasure. Uh, Pakua, you, you did awfully well holding this thing together. <laughs> no, no, all you, George. I learned, I take from your lead, absolutely. <laughs> Have, well, until next week then, Pakua. Thank you so much. Bye, Ante. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.